podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello everybody and welcome, it is Kay, I'm here with Anfield Index, face-off fan reaction following our game where we hosted West Ham. I tell you what, I was not feeling good about this game, I was not feeling good about it before, it just seemed that West Ham had the tools that could unlock us, uh, thankfully that didn't happen, And uh, but it was still, it's still such a strange game, but let's ask the fans what they think. So, the let me introduce you to the West Ham fan, you heard him on Harry Sethi's show, so please welcome back to Anfield Index. Uh, Jack Kavanagh, how are you, Jack? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Ah, not bad, not bad. It's always it's always nice after a Liverpool win when you didn't think it was <laughs> it was sort of going to happen that way. So I can't complain, certainly. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what that's like, really. <laughs> and the LFC fan, he's also AI writer. He's been on the show before. Adam Petruccione, how are you? Adam? Doing good, doing good, Kay. I got, I got nothing to, I've got nothing to complain about, so I don't know what I'm going to say here. I'm going to be the last of words. That's true. I don't know. I don't know, Adam. Like, it's. Let's start with it again. We're going to get into it. But Jack, I'll start with you. Were you happy with the way you set up and you know the starting lineup, how David Moyes put the boys out, and what they were looked like they were going to try and do in the game? I I was unhappy from the start. I I don't understand why we didn't start Javier Hernandez. Mm. He scored three goals in his last four games, and then Moyes just leaves him on the bench in favor of Lanzini. He was coming back to fitness, which is understandable, but I don't really understand why we didn't play our joint top goal scorer in a game like this, where we're going to be clearly trying to just counter-attack and get a goal. I mean, Hernandez, he just he stays in the box and just scores goals. That's all. That's his function. If we're going to be playing that sort of counter-attacking game, that's the sort of player we should be having up front. Yeah, there was a bit. I mean, did you guys? Uh, it looked like you guys started with five men in defense. Was was uh, did you? And was that something that you uh, sort of didn't mind? Yeah, because if we were playing Liverpool Anfield, we know that Liverpool are just scoring just outrageous amounts of goals at the moment. I mean, you guys have got like over a hundred this season, so I'm okay with playing five at the back just to start off and sort of. Uh, take it from there really and we did okay at the start it seemed and then mm. went in only one nil down at half time but it just seemed like we just let it happen and by the time we made it 3-1 the game was over by that point and it was just Liverpool were just all over us really there was nothing really we could do, we could have done by the second half I just yeah but I'm, I'm feeling what you're saying if you're going to have five men in defence and you're going to be spending a lot of time without the ball if you have your one or two opportunities which Liverpool can give away really you just want your fox in the box to be there occupying centre you know, center backs are not always looking the the most composed or, or to occupy, you know, the space behind the fullback where, you know, and our fullbacks attack quite a lot. You just you know, and I, I thought Anotovic did well, but like uh, Lanzini he wasn't in the game like you'd you know, you want that type of player to, to sort of uh, be in there. That that sort of seemed to misfire a bit from Moise's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how did you guys feel when you saw we were, weren't playing Hernandez? He must have been 
quite happy about that, right? I was shocked. I, I like I looked at your team sheet and I was saying, okay, who's going to be up front? It's got to be. It's probably going to be Anantovic, and Lanzini is probably just going to be the 10 second striker behind her. But I didn't understand how you were going to get the goals then. Yeah, like, how they going to work through midfield and and stuff like that. And I felt you were so light up front that it gave it uh, for me. It gave me a lot of confidence. I, I'll be honest. Absolutely. I knew that that would just, it was the sort of game where we weren't going to win it really. It just felt like it wasn't going to happen. And I can see, I, I didn't know until I was on the podcast the other day that Moyes has never beat you guys at Anfield before. I mean, that's, that's quite significant, I think. I wonder if that was just playing into his mind a little bit, but, um, but the thing yeah, is, I mean, it looks so good. Yeah. But Adam, you want to say something? Uh, I was just going to say, like, from my perspective, I just think when teams set up, against Liverpool right now there's a little bit of confusion as to what's the right thing to sort of sacrifice I guess you know like you think about in the past the you know sort of the the rap sheet on Liverpool has been that you want to set up deep and then they won't be able to get through and hopefully you get a goal on the counter and that's the way to do it but we've had enough success against the deep lying teams recently that I think uh, you know uh, teams in the bottom half of the Premier League just aren't quite sure what to do and they end up sort of playing like somewhere in the middle and then uh, that works out in our favor I think you know I, I think that um, makes sense to me that makes sense to, to, relative to what Moy seemed to do in right. this game it, it does yeah from our lineup from my perspective I mean the only thing I thought maybe we would start Gomez since he's reportedly fit uh, just to nullify Arnautovic but um you know, it seemed like we did a good job in the end. Yeah, the the Lanzini thing was a little bit confusing since he causes so much trouble. Um, in the last in the last match, he thought that uh, he would sort of be the danger man this time, but we seemed to uh, to keep him quiet this time. I don't think he's fully fit as well. That's the that is the okay. problem as well. He's okay. been out for a few weeks, so I think he might be coming back to fitness, which is again a strange decision to. I mean, he's one of our best players. You have to start him in a game like that, but. It just it was it was clear that he wasn't fit in when I was watching it. Adam, do you think from a Liverpool perspective now, looking at our lineups, it, more or less it's going to sort of pick itself, given what you know, and we're pretty happy with sort of whatever generally comes out there. You know, the front three has been so good that I think it's affording Klopp the ability to sort of mix and match the rest of the eleven and and just try and figure out what the best uh, complementary players are for the for the front three, since they're all sort of, you know, aside from Van Dyke, at like a similar level, right? Um, and maybe maybe he's mixing them around because he's just playing horses for courses, but, you know, it seems to me that he's trying to just figure out who's who are going to be the, the players that he wants to ride for the rest of the way. I mean, you look at the way that we closed out last year, he sort of figured out, who his key players were going to be, and then those were the players that he rolled out just about every week. So I I think that he would do the same thing down the stretch with 10 Premier League games to go and then however far we get in the Champions League. But, um, you know, so I, I don't know what you think, Abe, but it looks to me that that's what he's doing. And, mm. you know, they're, I think I think to their credit, a lot of the players are sort of giving him a hard time to, to pick who he's going, who, who are the strongest 11, right? Because... Uh, you know, like I saw with with Oxlade Chamberlain, like there was some standout players uh, in yesterday's game that um, are going to make it even harder for him to choose an eleven for the next week. 
Mm, no good points, good points, yeah. So onto the game, guys. It was just, you know, the whole game, <laughs> I suppose we'll discuss that in time, but let's discuss the opening because it starts with Liverpool just attacking a lot. It just seems like, you know, um, we, we started the game on the right foot. And then Jack, you know, until about the 14th, 15th minute, Liverpool seemed to be on top. The goal seemed to sort of be in the making. And then West Ham just, you know, come up, uh, Arnautovic with that chip, Zabaleta with a shot across goal. Uh, I must say, as a Liverpool fan, I was not happy about that. I've seen I've seen when we get put under pressure, especially if there's a little period of sustained pressure, we, we historically this season, at least it feels like from a fan's perspective, not deal, dealt with it properly. But that was must have been really encouraging from your perspective. Uh, I mean, just to, you know, sort of see out that initial really uh, tough period and then look like it was it was uh, you know something was going to come of it yeah absolutely and i mean not to keep going on about hernandez but i think if he was just occupying that space in the box he could have maybe just turned one of those chances in at that point because the game was still in the balance i think he came on in like the 84th minute and i feel like at that time you've got Hernandez, I mean, not, I mean, Altovic really stretching the Liverpool back line. I feel like if we had a traditional centre forward just occupying the penalty area, we could have maybe, maybe made something happen. But unfortunately, it didn't, and Liverpool, Liverpool just showed their class and scored that first goal. And I think we never really recovered from that. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a bit of a problem. Um, Adam, from our perspective, I mean, we again we started well. Then West Ham come into it with those with those couple of shots, and I don't know how you feel about it now. Are you still a bit concerned about our defense and how we approach these games? Uh, not not just these games, like any game, how a defensive organization works. Because when that happened, you know, it, it was sort of you get a bit of that icy feeling in your stomach. You're like, ooh, this, you know, is it going to be one of those games where we sort of mess it up? Yeah, you know, I think. A lot of that nervousness is just left over from yeah. years years of uh, collapses and uh, <laughs> and, con- and conceding crazy goals. But yeah, um, yeah so we're, you're right. We're sort of conditioned to uh, to think that a collapse is coming. But um, you know, I mean, statistically, we're doing really well since basically we signed Van Dyke and um, and even like a few weeks before that. You know, I think I think there's still like a feeling out period. You know, you got to remember that our fullbacks are really young. And the center back combination keeps on changing, like we talked about. And the goalkeeper is very inexperienced for the Premier League. So, you know, I think there's still going to be some rough periods. But, you know, I, I wrote like a, the post game summary for AI and, and the, um, the goal that we concede there, it takes a lot of sort of unlikely occurrences for that goal to happen, right? I mean, you, you get Emery Chan is dispossessed in midfield and, you know, the way that he's been playing lately, that's kind of rare in itself. And then, you know, you get the, the strikers through Van Dyke's legs and then it takes some sort of, I guess, a little bit poor positioning from Carrius to, to allow the goal. So, you know, if that's, if that's what it's going to take to score on us, then I guess I'm not too worried. I was disappointed that we didn't do more of that during the game because it's looked, from my perspective, it looked like a very simple goal for West Ham. Kiate just, passed it forward and Antonio just ran it, ran it and just finished it. And it just felt like if we tried something like that a bit earlier, a bit more confidence and impetus, we could have maybe got two or three goals in that game. It it felt like a missed opportunity for me from West Ham's perspective. 
Also, missed opportunity not to play Antonio Jack. I don't, it just seems every time he plays his cause against us, like, what was the reason for leaving him on the bench? I'm not really too sure. I think he, he has got a very good record against Liverpool. He's scored in, his, in four of his last five games against yeah, you guys. Yeah, so yeah. He's very, um, he's, I think he's a very good player. I don't really think Moyes rates him sometimes. He's had some disciplinary issues with Moyes and that sort of thing. But I do, I, I get frustrated with Moyes when he doesn't play our best attackers in games like this. And that's the thing. So as we get up to the goal now, right, the first goal, the uh, Chan header from the corner, this is, this is, I mean, uh, for, for us, it comes at a really good time. Um, Adam, we've, we've just dealt with that initial little, you know, uh, pressure period from West Ham, Zabaleta shot, and then we immediately go, just continue to go back on the, on the attack. And then the goal comes from a corner, which we don't, you know, it seems we don't have that many that come from set pieces sort of in, in that way. But, um, that settled us down. In the short term, you know, at least it, just to get that goal and to, to sort of uh, to get under our belts, and then we can we can go from there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting watching that goal. I mean, there was so much attention given to Van Dyke, and then uh, yeah. the 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 corner just goes barely over his head, and then Emre Chan is a relatively simple finish from there. Um, yeah. You know, and it's funny the narrative with Liverpool. We get we've become so spoiled that you know if it takes twenty twenty five minutes for the first goal, <laughs> yes. we're like, wow, there's a real like settling in period there. You know, I guess they were nervous coming. In. You know, it's true. like for for most for most teams, I think scoring in the twenty twenty fifth minute would be uh, would be a positive thing, but uh, but now with Liverpool, I guess. No, that's true. That's very true. Jack, from your perspective, there, you know, and this is one thing we're going to talk about through the through the analysis of the game, but. The one thing, I mean, you're talking about Moist, they're not choosing maybe your best attackers for each game. Is that because he's putting an emphasis on the defense? And because the one thing I do associate with David Moist is like a, a very tough defense, very hard to break down, very organized team. Were you happy with the defense? I mean, especially if you look at that first goal, it just seemed like West Ham were a bit slow to react to the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's almost like we were expecting Liverpool to score because there was just so much pressure on us at that point. And I think they, I think the psychology, I mean, it might go back to Moyes never beating Liverpool at Anfield, but it just felt like as soon as the goal came, we knew that this game was going to be beyond us and we weren't going to be able to make it happen again. And I think if we're going to be playing defensively against teams like Liverpool, we should be playing our, our top guys up front. So if we do get the board up there, we can try and score. Cause we did have some decent chances, even when it was 1-0. I mean, Altovich had that. That quite good shot from outside the box that carrier saved quite well. And it still, it still felt like the game was in the balance at 1-0, but then it, it just got away from us like it's happened many times before. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just felt like that. I mean, so I mean, we go, it, it's a bit weird. We go half time, Liverpool are one out, but I don't know what you felt about it. It just felt like we were not in the appropriate groove. There was enough there for West Ham to feel encouraged for the second half. But at the same time, I don't really know how to put it. We didn't feel like we were in the groove, but it, it still felt like we, we had it to a degree, almost like we could come back from whatever it got thrown at us. I was just really worried, like, if West Ham score and floodgates open, then what happens? But again, like you said, that's my conditioning from the past. Right. What was no, I mean, that whole performance from Liverpool, like, in that respect? Well, 
you know, after the first goal, I would say credit to West Ham for not allowing the floodgates to open because recently that's sort of what's been happening, right? As soon as we get that first goal and the other team and the opposition can't sit back anymore, then they're in trouble. But, you know, they, they held their own for a while there. So, you know, credit to them for that. But, uh, the second half, it looked like, especially actually Chamberlain, like I mentioned earlier, I don't know what was said to him and the, and the halftime talk, but uh, he came out guns blazing and he looked like an unbelievable player through that entire second half. And I thought he was like a real catalyst uh, for us um, in terms of that whole second period. I thought he played really well, actually. I think he's one of those players that Arsenal might have been holding him back. Interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah. He does seem really happy as well, doesn't he? He just <laughs> he just seems really happy to be playing, you know, regularly in a in a position that he enjoys playing. Sort of. So I I just wonder if that is also, you know, something that's that's working on his mind. And because yeah, the second half yeah. he just the, the hard work he got through, the the battling of what he did, especially in the in the final third for Liverpool, was really pretty impressive. No, and the build up to that um, assist for Salah. I mean, that was sort of like an Emre Chan move where he had people just bouncing off of him. And then, uh, you know, he had four or five players converging on him because he had just run through the, the opposition def- defense. And then when you get all the attention on one player that's not one of our front three, <laughs> you can be sure one of the front three is going to have like an easy finish. And, you know, at least Salah made that look uh, pretty easy. It was kind of a tough angle that he finished from, but... uh that was a nice goal, and you could see just the, the way that they, the way that they all ran to Oxley Chamberlain and were patting him on the head and stuff. You could sort of tell that that was either, either he got like a rough time at the at the halftime talk, or maybe it's just something that they worked on a ton during the week. I'm not sure, but um, it looked like it was very significant the way that the whole team surrounded Oxley Chamberlain and was celebrating with him. Yeah, and that started off the sort of ten minute period where quite a lot of goals went in. I mean, the Salah, Salah goal came in, uh, Chamberlain has a shot about four minutes later, then comes the Firmino goal, and the, the Antonio goal comes in about the 58th minute. If we look back at that Firmino goal there, Jack, um, the keeper misses it for you guys, and there is a bit, of, you know, the, the commentary was sort of questioning whether his kickout was was sort of not the best, maybe it was too shallow. What did you think? Was that a goal of West Ham's own making? Yes, absolutely. That was, I thought the second goal we conceded was poor, but that was, that was just awful. I think, I don't think I could really blame Adrian too much for his kick because Mario got the ball in midfield and tried to do some skills and then he lost the ball. But when the ball came back in towards Adrian's goal, it just felt like, it's like when you're playing FIFA and you're a bit, you're going down and then you just bring the keeper out and just try and help hope something happens and then he just rushed out and then, Firmino just went round him and just scored another one of his no-look goals that we've seen quite a few times this season. It was just, it just felt really poor from West Ham. Really, just easy for us to be for a team to score two goals against us in less than ten minutes. And then the game was over from there, and it was just, mm. just felt like the same old, same old, really. Did you know? Sort of, sorry, sorry, go on, Adam. Yeah, I was going to say it's sort of funny. I saw a replay of that goal from uh, from behind the net. 
and you see Adrian, he's sort of like upset that uh, Mario loses possession there. He throws his arms up in the air, and then like immediately he's like, "Oh shit, I actually have to do something here!" And he runs out. He go, he's like, he's he's in mid like complaining stance, and then he's like running out to uh, try and stop Firmino, and he goes right past him. But uh, now that, that was incredible from Firmino too, right? Because uh, he's sort of doing. Uh, the technically correct thing of trying to make himself big there. He thinks uh, Firmino's going to chip it over him or something, and Firmino just pushes the ball under his legs and then finishes around him. I mean, it's it's incredible to me that uh, back in October, November, there was like a whole month period there where Firmino didn't score a goal, and everybody was talking about, do we need a real number nine? Do we need a 20-goal scorer, X, Y, Z? And um, now it's like, you know, unless he does like a no-look finish, then it's a disappointing game for him. No, I was fielding messages, Adam, from Liverpool fans complaining about Robbie Firmino and like during this game, like how how we need a number nine striker and this is this is you know Bobby's not performing in this position. I'm just, I just don't know. I just <laughs> it's like I mean, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say I'll, I'll I'll put my hand up and say like I was one of the people. You know, it's it's a different thing too because everybody always wanted Bobby on the pitch, but it's just a a matter of his positioning and then to to the complainers credit and I was one of those but you know I, listen his natural position isn't uh isn't to be a striker in the traditional sense and so you know you thought maybe he was better further back as a support striker which has been how he's played up until now you know and uh, and then in the winter he was sort of playing the support striker to Salah and then somehow like just played himself into great form while he was doing that and now he's playing more advanced. He's not he's not really playing in like a traditional striker role all the time, but he's getting forward at the right moments. I think that's like the real difference is he's he's picking the right moments to get forward and, and be in those uh typical number nine positions where it didn't seem like he really knew when to do that earlier in the season. I remember when West Ham signed Payet and you guys signed Firmino about the same sort of time and Payet definitely started quicker than Firmino and I was giving a lot of Liverpool fans grief about that. But I mean, it's clearly, clearly not worked out for West Ham in that regards. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. And uh, yeah, I mean, especially for Bobby Firmino because he's not, he's such a weird kind of player to put there. I mean, it's, it is obvious to criticise him and he has been, you know, critiqued especially at the beginning of the of, of his career. But yeah, thankfully for us, he seems to have kicked on. It'd be very interesting to see what Klopp sort of does in the future. I don't know if he wants to maybe move Firmino a little bit behind to the, to the 10 or something like that and, and have um, a different striker in there. But it's certainly the case that we do not have a replacement for Bobby at the moment. So... If something happens to him, and touch wood it doesn't, but if something happens to him, it'd be, that that might be quite detrimental for our system. Uh, interesting from a like an exercise perspective, like what happens to Liverpool without Bobby, but uh, I, I don't want to find out right now. But, <laughs> but Jack, I mean, we discussed the Antonio goal already, but right after that, there's about a 10, no, sort of 10, 12 minute period odd, where Liverpool just couldn't seem to settle down. The goal... You know, made them a little bit nervous. They couldn't control the midfield. Um, we couldn't just like keep the ball calmly in any possession. I think that only happens really after Mane scores the fourth goal. I, I'm not sure if like if there was a little bit there for West Ham to just exploit, even to just get a second goal and and sort of see where that is. 
I, I just felt that while there was a bit of a surge, there wasn't enough real want to go get a second goal. I'm not talking about belief that they might win the game or something. Like, I know that's very hard to put onto players. Just like, you know, let's see what we can get from the game. And we know Liverpool have collapsed before. Let's, let's poke it and see what happens. Absolutely. I, I felt like that was a missed opportunity because we could have made a sub there. It was about mm. 60 minutes or so. It would have been a good time yes. to bring on someone attacker attacking and really make a change because Antonio just came off the bench and then basically immediately scored. If we brought on like a striker or something, we could have perhaps exploited that. But then Liverpool did score and then it sort of, I think everyone calmed down after that and West Ham mm. sort of realised that the game was over. But yeah, that was a, that was a time. It, it, this happens quite a lot of West Ham where we leave it a bit too late to try and try and win the game. It feels like we just, yeah, we, it was just too late by that point, I think. And then, yeah, you guys scored and it was, it was basically over from there. Do you think it's a bit like too much of a conservative approach from, from Moyes in these games? Or are these games just like, um, do you treat them as, you know, it can happen, it can happen, but they're not critical to our, uh, to our season. So you know, it doesn't really matter that much in essence. Yeah, I think that's the way the management approached the game, where if we do something well against Liverpool, it's it's a bonus, but the real games are against Swansea next week and those sort of, and Burnley the week after. But I, I, as a fan, I would I would have liked if West Ham gave it more of a go against Liverpool and tried to tried to make something happen because we've we've done all right against you recently, not not in the last three games where we've conceded about twelve goals, but before then we did we were doing all right. I felt. But I also feel like, I don't know about you, Adam, as well, but like when I think about West Ham, I think about expansive direct play, um, you know, good football uh, coming up. And, and just to score that goal, you know, just if, even if we, even if we're not going to win, let's, let's play and, and let's do that kind of thing. Um, in that respect, especially for where West Ham are now and the reason why they appointed Moyes, do you feel that like Moyes is doing a, a sort of good job there? Yeah, I mean, he made an. He seemed like he made an impact. Uh, I feel like there was fairly low expectations from uh, from most Premier League fans that were sort of outside the, the West Ham universe uh, when Moyes was was signed. There was a lot of sort of snickering about uh, the signing, right? But um, you know, he made an impact. And they got a few points when when he was uh, first appointed there. So. You know, there's so so few points make such a big difference at the bottom of the table there that it's hard to really put it in context, you know. And I think to his credit, uh, you know, when you look at the way that Liverpool like to play, you think even all the way back to the Hoffenheim games and the and the qualifiers for the for the Champions League matches, we can play in like a controlled chaos sort of way where like I'm not sure. You know, let's let's say West Ham played in a more attacking sense. You know, it's just I think from the opposition side, it's sort of hard to tell. Like, are we creating this? Are we creating this chaos? Or is this what Liverpool? Is this how they want us to play? You know what I mean? Because it seems like we enjoy that sort of style. And if it's back and forth, then we just figure we have the three better finishers than you, so we don't really care. You know, it's it's. So, so I'm just not sure. I think it seems like we're getting more comfortable playing either style, whereas like there was a time when we needed to be in the back and forth uh, type of game to to succeed. But uh, now it seems like we're more comfortable in different styles of play. So, so that's uh, so that's good for Liverpool going forward. But um, yeah, you know, I just 
Liverpool are on a great run, so I'm just not sure how much, uh, you know, how how many negative uh, comments you can really throw towards towards Moyes for what happened there. I mean, they they played okay at times. They they competed, and that's more than like some teams have done against us. So, uh, you know, just think of back to the Porto match and how dejected some of those guys looked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the West West Ham did what they could have done. I mean, if if luck had gone their way a few other times then you never know with Liverpool like we said but uh, you know I, I think in terms of the effort that they gave it was pretty good and and for you Jack because I'm looking at the table now just like a peek look and West Ham seem you know it's a good position it's 13th and then you look at it again you think that's three points though <laughs> the table is just ridiculous are, are you happy with the direction David Moyes has put you guys on that uh, that you will stay away from that relegation area yeah, I'd say so. Not a um, not a um, confident yes, but I feel like we're we're going in the right direction. We have been, but I mean, it's just so tight down there. You look at Crystal Palace; if they beat if they beat Tottenham. I mean, that'll move them up to about twelfth or whatever. It's it's so tight down there, and mm. even though we are thirteenth, it's still very close to the relegation zone. So we need to be picking up points in these. Following games, I mean, Swansea, even though looking confident now, we should be beating Swansea and that will really make people a lot more comfortable with how West Ham are doing this season. Mm-hmm. It's it's just ridiculous. Like two wins and you're out the bottom half of the table, essentially. <laughs> it's just so crazy at the moment. But, yeah, um, and Palace still like they were safe for a bit and then they've just yeah. they've slid right down. Yeah. And then, and then like Swansea had those victories against you know the the teams near the top of the log and then in your head you're sort of thinking oh that's them they're safe and you look again and they're still in the bottom three so um no oh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a very tight end of the season uh, I'm sure uh, it's sort of funny when you look at the table you know it's like some of these the teams that keep on getting relegated in the last you know two three years are pretty big pretty big clubs you know and they're replaced by Clubs like, you know, Wofford, Burnley, Leicester City, Brighton, you know, and it seems like those are the clubs that are going to stay in for the foreseeable future, which is a little odd, you know. It's sort of tough for the bigger clubs to reestablish themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's quite interesting, the effect of the uh, the money maybe and, and how it's being spread a little bit more across the across the league. But, uh, yeah, no good points. Um, to close off here, Jack, just on the match itself, a lot of a lot was made of, of of the performance of your left of your fullbacks, particularly the debuting Patrice Evra against the Liverpool, you know, the quick Liverpool front three. For both of them, for both of your fullbacks, were you were you sort of happy with how they performed? Are you, are you happy more importantly than the game and moving forward that they are um, the reinforcements that you guys just uh, you know need and that that that's what's going to get you through the season from that position. Well, I think we got exposed quite a lot down the flanks, really. Robertson was just tearing up, tearing up down the down the left. So it's it was concerning. But I feel like previously we've had Zabalet has played really well in the games leading up to this, and Ever Ever is really a short term replacement because Masaraku suspended for six games. I think he's returning on the tenth of March. So. He's he's a short term replacement, but I think overall you can't really you can't really praise the defense because we conceded four goals and we were just I think the only thing you can really praise him about is the fact that we didn't concede more because I mean Sane I mean 
Mane could have had a hat trick. He he had some really good chances as well. So I think we looked quite poor at the back and really the fullbacks were accountable for a lot of the crosses that were coming into the box. Yeah, do, do you, Adam, do you think we're getting the whole, the hang of that now, sort of with our fullbacks using them, especially let's talk about in an attacking sense. Um, are you happy with where the direction our fullbacks are going in? They, they seem to be really settling down and getting partnerships right, you know, with their relative uh, inside forwards up the field and stuff. You know what's weird? Um, I'm probably completely on an island by myself, but I just don't. I'm not on the Robertson train yet, or the, you know, there's there's something odd about. Listen, they're really good. They're talented fullbacks, all four that we have, right? But there's some. It's a little bit of a mismatch to me in terms of the style of play that we have, where they're putting in amazing crosses, right? But there's we're just not there to finish it because that's not how we really play. Um, but they just keep on putting them in one after the other, and then. You know, Moreno is more direct, right? You'd think once he gets on the edge of the box, he can do something from there. But if you're Robertson or even Trent or Gomez, you know, they're only, their major skill is to, to pass from there, right? So they're not going to like run past somebody. Um, and I just think that ultimately, you know, you see, especially with, Sessegnon's scored I don't know how many goals in his last few. He's, he's really he's really racking them up for Fulham, but you know, and he's out there, and it looks like he's either going to go to Spurs or to us. And you know, you just think, especially against the deep lying teams like we talked about, to be able to have somebody who can be a threat from out wide, not just from not just with crosses, but who can also just beat a man and then uh, be a threat from there. You know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, I live in Madrid, and maybe I just watch too much Marcelo. <laughs> maybe I just watch too much Marcelo, and I'm jaded. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> you know, I just think I think these guys are doing well. They're really young. Listen, they've got a lot of room to grow, but it's just it's a little bit of a mismatch for having all these like small, fast forwards that uh, that interchange positions and everything like that. They're just not the kind of players that are looking for that cross. Uh, but you know, these guys are putting in fantastic crosses that just about any other forward uh, would jump onto, but that's just not our style. So, I mean, it was sort of like an outlier that uh, the Mane scored off of uh, the Robertson cross. Yeah, true, true. No, I, I would agree with you on, on those counts. All right, guys, to finish off the pot, I'm just going to ask either of both of you, sorry, to just pick any player that you want to um you want to pick out for you know being very good or being not very good, whichever way you want to put it. Uh, Jack, I'll let you go first. I thought for West Ham, like Onotovic caused us a lot of problems. Yeah, that's who I was going to talk about. I think even though he didn't score, he did. He did look really lively. He was the one that was really creating the opportunities for West Ham, and he had some really good chances. Especially that chip that almost went in. That was a mm. that was a great save from the goalie. But I mean, that's that's very confident very confident thing for him to do like he wasn't even that much off his line and he that chip nearly went in it would have been a great great way to start the mm. game I thought mm. he was working really hard as well he was coming back and uh, you know putting in the uh, a little bit of defensive work and that, that kind of thing 
Um, no, I was I was pretty impressed with his performance all around. Uh, it, it just always with him, it seems to be the sort of consistency to apply that kind of thing. Yet, I will say at West Ham, he does seem to be doing it more consistently than at Stoke. So interesting times, I think, for, for him ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I, something, Moise is really getting the best out of him because like you, I did, I was dubious when we signed him. I did think he was quite inconsistent at Stoke, but since about December, he's really been just tearing it up and he's scored about seven goals for us now. He's really been mm. arguably one of our players of the season from, from nowhere, really. Yeah, no, no, sure. That, that's cool. Right. And when you, and when, when you're in a position where only a few points can be such a huge deal, I think it's got to be a comfort to have a player that can just pop up yeah. and score goals out of nowhere too. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's definitely our, our best player at the moment. He's the one that when you see him on the team sheet, you just know he can really make something happen for us. Just a shame we're not playing Hernandez more. Yeah, it just seems on paper like him, Hernandez, Lanzini at their best would just be, you just occupy so many <laughs> defenses in a way that will create space and stuff like that. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, on, on paper, it just looks, it just looks really, really good. But maybe, I don't know. I, I haven't been watching West Ham that much. Maybe Moise is concentrating more on just getting the defense right first. Um, I haven't seen that, uh, you know, put together too often or the intent to sort of do that relatively recently. Well, when we have played those three together, it, it's worked really well for us, I think, because hmm. they just, they just keep everyone busy and it's just great. I mean, Hernandez just finishes in the box and then it gives the, it gives an out of it freedom to drift away from the penalty area and he doesn't have to be constantly relied on to be our centre forward as well as our number 10. It's, it's a confusing system that's work, that's not really working at the moment in my opinion. Okay. No, interesting. Adam, from the Liverpool perspective, any players you want to single out? Uh, you know, I'll say about Sadio Mane, I just think he's sort of been incredible in the last couple of months where he's he's putting up a lot of stats and he's missing like probably the easiest opportunities that he gets. And then he, <laughs> comes, and then, and then he comes back and, and scores off of like more difficult opportunities. So it's uh he's really interesting to watch recently. I mean, and I think the big thing in terms of just giving him credit is that he doesn't lose confidence when he misses the easy chance, right? He just come, keeps on coming back and, uh, you know, he just doesn't look daunted at all by whatever happens in the match. And, um, and that's good to see. I think he, maybe there was like, you know, he, he had a couple of like minor injuries early in the season and I just felt like he wasn't going full out for, for a period. And now it seems like he's getting either more confidence or maybe the training staff is telling him to go more full out. I'm not sure, but, uh, either way, it looks like he's getting more of his, uh, more of his speed back and, and it just looks like that's really hard for opposition teams to deal with when you've got Firmino and Salah on the other side. Mm. I thought he played really well yesterday actually. He did have a lot of a lot of perseverance to just keep going even though he missed Absolutely. two of those chances. Do you guys think he's going to replace um, Coutinho then? Because I saw Coutinho scored a really good goal yesterday. <laughs> well, it's sort of like a battle to... Uh... You know, sort of the way that we describe it in, in Liverpool's parlance is like the the furthest forward number eight. <laughs> so we play with like we play with two number eights, and then one of them is usually like further forward, and that was seemed to be Axel Chamberlain uh, for most of the match um, yesterday. But 
you know, that's sort of the position that that's up for grabs, right? Whether it's Oxford Chamberlain or Lalana or Milner or uh, Henderson or Chan, even you know, it's like everybody wants to be in that position, and it's a spot where, uh, because of the prowess of the other three, that uh, you think you can get easy goals from that spot, and uh, you know, so I'm sure if if I was good enough to be in that squad, I'd want to be in that position too, you know. But um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. But um, yeah, it's just that's that's the big battle in terms of the squad to to see who's going to come out on top to be in that spot but um you know you're right like in terms of Coutinho's role where he would play uh as a playmaker on the left Mane is trying to replace that you know that that could be an explanation for a little bit of his dip in form as well that he's trying to be a little bit more of like a you see him drop back a lot from that role and uh, since Coutinho left, and you wonder if he's being told to try and be more of like a creator than a than a goal scorer, he's capable of that, you know. But he's also he's also really good as a as a forward, and you know, in the match against Porto, he's, he played a lot more centrally, and he got a hat trick out of it. So, you know, I think just he can play further back as in more of a creative role, but uh, I think his his strongest role is being as much involved in the in the goal scoring as possible for us. Yeah, it was interesting before, I don't know, when Coutinho got injured a couple of times, he did take up sort of both roles. So, yeah, that, I mean, that will be interesting to see how, how you know, because it's, I think Jurgen Klopp wants the press to be the major playmaker and then have lots of points of playmaking. But it's good to have on occasion, especially when things are not going right for you, just, you know, somebody to take responsibility and to be a channel through which, you know, your creative play goes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, like you say, Adam, how that develops sort of going forward. But yeah, guys, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy with that part. Uh, I want you to take the opportunity to just do some plugs if you want. So, uh, Jack, I will start with you. I mainly write for Brace the Hammer, which is a West Ham website from SB Nation. And I also have my own blog called Culture Hash, which is a more of a popular culture, music, film and TV style website. Oh, that's very cool. It's very so good on that. Um, what, do you have the Twitter accounts for those? Uh, yeah, just um, follow me at Jack Kavanagh on Twitter, K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And I regularly post links to the stuff that I write for my website and for SB Nation. Cool, cool, cool. And for you, Adam, any articles come out? Uh, you know, you already spoke about the one that's uh, that's the product of the game. Yeah, I'll have another article. You know, I, I write every week for for AI, and I'll have something coming out in the next couple of days. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. It's just uh, my name, Adam Petrusion. And uh, if you can spell that, and you can find me on Twitter, then you win a pri- <laughs> then then you win a prize. Cool. <laughs> I, what kind of prize are you got? Anyway, Adam will sort that out with you. You, you. you find them and demand whatever you need to. <laughs> but cool, that is everything from us, guys. Thank you so much to my guests. And as always, biggest thanks goes out to you, listener, for tuning in. We will see you again after the next uh, after the next game. So tune in for that. Till then, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Let's get ready to rumble! Y'all ready for this?
Social Podcast Network.